Before we get to the episode, I just want to tell you about jobsinsports.com. Now, what is jobsinsports.com? Jobsinsports.com is the first job board in the industry that has been around since 1998. What do you get when you sign up for jobsinsports.com? Well, in the free membership, you will get a job seeker profile, invitations to apply for certain jobs by employers. You'll get full access to the high school level jobs. You'll be able to post your resume, but you'll get limited access to the detailed job descriptions, detailed sports internship descriptions, and limited access to the sports job database search. But by signing up for your first 30 days, you'll be able to upgrade to the premium membership for only $5. And in this membership, you'll get full access to all job descriptions, to sport internship descriptions, to the sports job database search. And one thing that is different than the free, you'll be able to get a resume review and a possible recommendation straight to a hiring manager. So please go check out jobsandsports.com. And when you sign up for their membership, make sure you let them know where you heard it from. And in that drop down box, I want you to click on podcast because I want jobsandsports.com to know that the sports is a job community has the future sport industry leaders, and they are going to be the people that fills up the sports opportunities on their job board. Now, let's get to the episode. From the time we are born, we are placed in a bubble. It may be a result of where we are born, the people we are around, or the information we are given. Our mission here on the Sports is a Job podcast is to pop the bubble and help everyone realize they control their own path. We will interview people working in sports to share their story and provide our take on sport industry topics. Hosted by Colby Castillo and Olivia Poutine. Welcome to the Sports is a Job podcast. What's up, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of the Sports is a Job podcast, Journey of the Working Sports Professional. This is one half of the podcast. My name is Colby Castillo. And as always, joined by the other co-host here. Hey, everyone. This is Olivia. And today, we're twisting it up a little bit different. Everyone's got a lot more time on their hands these days. So we actually have five of us total right now. There's three guests on the show, and I don't want to waste the time. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off and kind of if everybody could kind of introduce themselves, we'll go in the order of Keith, Caroline, and then the youngest, Spencer here, we'll, we'll, we'll let you go last. <laughs> but if you kind of could just explain, you know, how are you guys handling the new normal now? Um, being working from home and if you guys got any advice to anybody out there based on what your personal experience is is kind of handling this new normal here yeah for sure thank you for having us on Um, I know it's wild to have three people on at once but I thought it would be fun and interesting and it would really balance out Um, this is Keith Steckler Uh, I've been in the industry for 15 years the last four have been focused in sports which I know is what you you guys want to talk about so we'll we'll couch it there but um, you know, I, I, I guess I'm still getting used to it. I was kind of hoping you, we would hit record and you would give me some tips because I'm still getting used to it. But, um, I saw a tweet not too long ago where somebody was saying, I, I desperately miss the commute. And that's really how I feel. I feel like I'm not consuming the things I used to. And I said at the beginning of last week that I would try to stop around five, like I normally would leave the office and I'd go for a walk or do something. And I didn't do it. So I'm going to try this week. I was terrible at it last week. Um, but no, I don't, I don't have any tips. Just do, just do what feels right. And um, everyone right now is on like the Zoom uh, video high. Not everything needs to be an in-face meeting. Um, just like you are back in the office. Not everything needs to be a meeting. So try and figure out the best way to communicate with people and give people some of, the, some of their time back in their day. That would be my only uh, tip at, at this point. Caroline? Uh, yeah, thank you for having us as well. Um, I'm Caroline Petnato. I'm a motion graphic designer for MKTG. Um, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out my norm as well. Um, we've been doing this, you know, almost a month now. Um, I guess my best, my biggest piece of advice would just be like trying to get outside. That's what's been helping me the most and just getting fresh air and exercise. Um, never thought about it before until Keith just mentioned it, but I definitely miss the commute too. I, uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts and 
I realized I like haven't listened to like any of my podcasts, even though I have so much time on my hands. Uh, maybe I'll start incorporating that into some of my walks. <laughs> the youngest <Yeah>. Spencer. <laughs> hey guys. Yep. This is uh, Spencer Dean here. I'm currently a digital associate at MKTG. Um, so I work a little more on the account management side of things um, and working directly with clients to, um, you know, develop sponsorship strategies, um, ensure execution of campaigns. Um, but, you know, I work pretty daily with Keith and Caroline here. Um, and yeah, definitely still adjusting to the, the new world. Um, it's a crazy time because I feel like, you know, things get weirder and weirder as we go. But, you know, you look back at the next day and it's, it's like a normal, you know, we're back in, this is kind of what it is now. Um, so, I mean, I think for me, the biggest thing working from home has been having some kind of start and end to the day and keeping a, a routine similar to a typical work day. Um, so, you know, I'm making sure to, to get up, shower, put, put on some real pants and get the day going. And once, you know, I finish up at work to, to check out and, you know, make sure I have that end to the day so it doesn't all meld together. Um, but you know, definitely, definitely still figured it out as everyone is, but, um, you know, I think it's been, um, interesting to see, uh, you know, things adjust and, you know, there's like Keith mentioned people doing zoom meetings that could have been, uh, zoom meetings all along or phone calls that, you know, didn't need to be in-person meetings. And I think as we, uh, experience it on this end, um, you know, it's, it'll be interesting to see it, um, what things look like, uh once we get out of the uh, craziness. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's, it's funny because I guess my one good thing about working from home is I get to wear this Chargers jersey <laughs> a lot of the time. I, I don't have to do much laundry anymore because I don't have to, you know, wear the, the big boy pants and the dress pants and the, the collar shirt. So I get to wear, you know, the freedom of, of wearing whatever I want at home. But before we get into the episode, uh, I got to give a shout out and let everybody know to give context and how the heck in the world three people ended up on the podcast as guests. Well, it started off with a tweet Keith put out saying that he was ready to come on some podcasts. And I have to give a shout out to Max Simpson. Uh, he kind of tweeted and connected us on Twitter. And Max Simpson is basically one of the most wonderful, um, amazing guys out there. So if you could give him a follow at it on Twitter at Max David Simpson, um, I got to give him a shout out. But then Keith, you know, connected us with Caroline and Spencer so that's how we ended up getting three people on. So this is an amazing thing. Um, what about you, Olivia? What's been the situation like for you in Minneapolis since we're six hours apart? Well, um, I believe the governor just extended our quarantine for two more weeks, which kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> I've definitely been in a funk. I'm not really used to this because I am a very active person, like being outside. But, you know, I'm still at home with my parents since I'm still in school so there's five of us in my house right now and let me tell you when you got your two little siblings running around all the time it can get pretty crazy <laughs> but no it's been it's been quite an adjustment but no I have I work with a really great group of people at the U and we have weekly meetings every single every week and they're always giving me stuff to do so I don't get bored because I have a pretty light class load this semester before I graduate so but yeah, everyone wash your hands, 20 seconds, soap and water. Also, I'm doing overnights at Target, which suck because people are crazy during the day now. So yeah, it's been wild. Well, thank you for your duty at Target. <laughs> I, we're, it's a much needed thing right now. So let's switch the, flip the switch and let's get more on a positive note. And I kind of want to dive into, you know, all of your three mindsets of when you first started um, in the full-time career, what was your motives in, in working full-time? What was your kind of your, what's your passion? What was your purpose when you first started compared to what it is now? So if we could, maybe we'll reverse the order. We'll start with Spencer here. Yeah, no, great question. Um, and I, you know, for me, I've always been, you know, a huge sports fan and had an interest in the sports industry, but, um, you know, my passion for working in sports really started, um, in high school. I did, uh, something called the National Student Leadership Conference, and they have a specific sports management um, class, basically. So I, I went to Fordham University for 10 days. Um, I, you know, had a lot of simulated calls and emails and interactions. We hosted some um, events and basically just totally dove into 
um, you know, what it was like to work in the sports industry. And, uh, you know, I immediately loved it. I moved on to uh, Elon University in North Carolina for college, and I majored in sport and event management um, and had a few internships throughout college um, that, you know, really just brought me into the sports world. And, you know, what really topped it off for me and showed me that I wanted to stick around in the sports world was, um, you know, I was, I was working um, a Pittsburgh Steelers pregame or preseason game in 2016. And I was helping out managing the back end of a raffle where the winners got to go down to the fields prior to the game, um, get to see some of the players up close and see the field. Um, and, you know, just being with those people, you know, then there was one guy who specifically said that, you know, this was the best day of his life. And just kind of seeing that, you know, that level of passion and connection to people and the positive impact sports has on people, uh, you know, it just really showed me that this was, you know, the type of career I wanted to be a part of and um, being able to get those experiences and help other people, you know, get to that where it's, you know, the best day of their life, you know, that, that was an awesome feeling. So um, definitely, you know, latched onto that and, um, you know, ended up at MKTG and continuing to pursue that. So. It's interesting because passion does go both ways and I'm a fan of both positive and negative passion, you know, when fans are super pissed off, but also when fans are super happy, I'm definitely a fan of both of those. But how about Caroline, if you could provide us insight into your, uh, your mindset, your motivations when you first started? Uh, yeah. So when I uh, graduated college, definitely was just interested in getting any job that I could use my degree and be creative with, um, kind of fell into, uh, working at ESPN. Um, and there I just had like this huge platform and the ability to learn from all my other coworkers there that were all, you know, really talented, passionate designers. And while I was working there, I think is when I found my passion for working in sports. Um, really. So I never was much of a sports fan. I might be an outlier with everyone else on this podcast right now. Um, but I think that I just fell in love with like the fans of the sports and like the camaraderie of it all. Um, when I first started, it was 2016 during the president election. Um, and I think we were like the one channel on television that wasn't talking about that. And I think that just being more lighthearted and like just having those like feel good stories um, and just seeing, you know, if there's a lot of term turmoil in the, the the country at the time so um it was a nice outlet i think for all of the fans and from there i just uh fell in love with working with sports and bringing you know designs and content to all those fans i think that goes like what you said is really like relatable to what's going on now because i feel like a lot of people you know whether you're a March Madness fan you know or you're a hockey fan or a baseball fan like it all has gone taken away so I feel like now a lot of college Twitter accounts or even like ESPN and all these sports channels, like they have to find new things to come up with. And like, again, like sports is such a great way to find like an outlet for something that is lighthearted and all those stories and everything. Yeah, definitely. Now, lastly, if we could get into, you know, Keith, your mindset, uh, what was your motive way back when you first started? Yeah, I'm uh, 67 years old. And um, no, I, so first of all, shout out to Max, one of the most genuine guys I've come across on Twitter. So thanks for connecting us and making this happen. Um, so it took me 10 years to get into sports. Um, and that's not for lack of trying. It was more like I kind of thought I'd be there at some point, but I just didn't know when. And, and I, I have a, a strong belief that everything I did up until this point kind of got me to where I am, got me to MKTG and, and gave me the skills I needed to do what I'm doing now. So I, I don't wish to do it any other way. But growing up, I, I wanted to be a sports agent. I mean, Jerry Maguire was like the movie for me. And then I found out you had to go to school for a long time. You had to be a lawyer. And I didn't like that. So um, I wanted to try to figure out how to how to work in sports. So for me, 10 years uh, bouncing around some ad agencies it gave me the skills. And before um, coming to MKTG, I was working at a healthcare and pharmaceutical agency. And I'd sort of seeded with my boss there that I was thinking about leaving. So she wasn't blindsided. But when she told everybody um, that I was leaving, they, 
you know, she said, well, he's, he's going to work in sports. And that's really all she said. And she felt like that just perfectly uh, encompassed it. Like, you know, to her, it was kind of like, what guy doesn't want to work in sports and, and he's going to work in sports, that kind of thing. So it's, it's been great. It's been a, it's been a great ride. Um, you know, I saw, I saw the rode the wave of traditional TV and print into digital and then into social and now into sports content. So like I said, it, it, I don't think I could have done it any other way. It sort of worked out the way it was supposed to. And I got excited doing this because there's just three different, you look at it, three different people through three different paths, three different journeys. So we'll, we'll dive into right now, kind of the, the, the come up, the buildup of everybody in here. And I, I want to start, let's start with Caroline. Um, if we can kind of get into your, um, your, you know, your identity and what you do. So I really took notes and I, I noticed that you did a lot of, uh, you're a freelancer. You did a lot of different designs outside of just the sports um, industry. And one of the things you said, or, um, I quoted and I saw was that you said you have a user centered mindset and sensitivity for design is my approach to creating visually appealing designs. Now, out of creative minds that we kind of talk to, they have this sense of identity. They have their, um, unique aspect of them. They, depending on their experiences, they build this certain way of doing things. Um, how has your creative approach to what you design, the things that you create, how has that changed from when you first started to what your creative mindset is now today? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I wrote that a while ago, <laughs> um, back when I was uh, planning on, you know, doing UX design for websites. Um, but I still stand by it. I think um, the first thing I think of when I start any design or project is, you know, who is the user and how are they going to interact with this um, design, this asset? Um, being on the creative team at MKTG, you know, we do anything from animation for um, production, um, 3D design, large-scale prints, um, uh, footprint design, basically any kind of creative need that our clients have. Uh, the creative team kind of all works together and just figures it out. We all have different skill sets. Um, and so I think, yeah, the first thing I always think of is how our users are going to interact with this. Um, and just, uh, you know, if, if, if I'm designing something for social media that I want a fan to like repost, I'm going to make it way more eye-catchy than if it's something that, you know, I just want to get information across um, about something, you know, more serious that isn't really necessarily intended to be shared. Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, do as a professor, uh, you know, what's your approach to teaching people? Do you just give away your trade secrets or how is it, you know, what classes do you teach and what, what is it your approach to teaching the future generation of, of marketing and graphic design? Yeah. Um, so I just like show them a bunch of code on my screen and tell them to figure it out. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, I, I try to give them a lot of um, resources. And I think like the biggest piece of advice that I try to give them is like, you know, especially in the creative field, being a graphic designer, um, you know, anyone can kind of do it. It's just trying to be as resourceful as possible. So like teaching them, them that like baseline skill of like where to go, where to search for things, how to figure things out and just um, you know, always saying yes to something and then figuring it out later, I think is like the most important thing I try to, um, press to them. So, you know, whenever they ask me a question, I always, you know, help them out. But I also say like, you know, you can also figure it out doing it like X, Y, Z, um, and just kind of giving them those like baseline, um, what is it, like just, I teach them all of the skill sets and then I also teach them how to be resourceful um, in their approach to anything that they're going to do. Mm -hmm. How did you get led down the path to also be a professor, but then also work with MKG, MKTJ, excuse me, sorry. Um, yeah, so it was actually one of my old coworkers was reached out about teaching the course um, and he wasn't able to do it with his schedule. And I was actually just starting on with MKTG and, you know, just asked if they would have any, you know, issues with me doing both. Um, and Keith was okay with it and my creative director. Um, and so I worked with the Dean originally was going to do 
an advanced motion graphics course and then ended up doing a um, introduction to graphic design and multimedia communications. You would have definitely failed me. Um, freshman year of high school, I had a photography class and our final project <laughs> was we had to take a different pictures. I had a Sony, uh, like a Sony $50 camera and I took pictures from like the internet and basically I had me like throwing shot put and I was like this and I photoshopped the fireball onto my hand and I put a brick, raw, brick wall right in front of me and my deep message was um, any obstacles in my way, I'm going to blow it up with a fireball. Like nothing <laughs> can stop me. So, but you would have definitely failed because I had like grid lines all over everything. It was absolutely horrible. No, I love the creativity. <laughs> I got a little better. I promise. Like now it's a little better than before. Thankfully there's Canva where anybody can use it, yeah. but yeah. I mean, it, it is what it is, but Keith, let's jump into your journey because your, yours is a little different where, you know, you talked about, you were at these different places. You weren't necessarily in sports. You were in pharmaceutical. You were all in these different things. But it seems like brand has always been the core of, of what you do is figuring out your personal brand, building professional brands. So, you know, what is, what is it to you? What does brand, what is the importance of brand for a company? But more importantly, for all the listeners out there, what is the importance of building your personal brand? And what's your approach to that? Sure. So brand, brand to me, and I may be just, you know, the Uber outlier because of what I do for a living, but brand to me is so critical. Um, I, I won't eat at a restaurant if the menu font is weird, if the signage is weird, and if the design of the whole place when I walk in, if I just don't feel good. Um, and the reason for that is I feel like if you don't spend the time on these details, I don't think you spent the time on the food. So to me, I, I just take this stuff very seriously. I, I love packaging. I love the way stuff looks. Um, I'm always trying to just be very simple in how we communicate. But personal brand, I mean, I really dove all into Twitter after um, the first time I was laid off. because so I was kind of like, all right, let me figure out how I can communicate with people or, you know, connect with people. And, and back in 2008, I think Twitter was like, here's what I'm up to today. Here's what I'm having for lunch. And I know a lot of people to this day are still hung up on, I, I don't tweet because I don't know what the perfect tweet is. And it's like, just get rid of that. And, mm -hmm. you know, for me, it's the stream of consciousness stuff goes out. I may post something and an hour later, I'll delete it. I just, and it's not for engagement. It's just, I don't want to put that out there anymore. Um, thankfully I'm not at the place in, in my life or career where anyone is screenshotting everything I have to say. So it doesn't live on forever. And my Twitter is the last two months. Um, so once, and I have a, a tweet deleter that automatically once something hits 61 days, it's, it's removed. So I just don't look at Twitter. I don't use Twitter in the way that I think a lot of people do. Um, and it's just what's on my mind, but I've really tried to connect and, and, you know, spend time with people. I saw a very, um, especially right now, I think we should be very kind with our time and kind with each other. But I saw a, um, like a virtual coffee thing where students could sign up and people in the industry could sign up and not like a mentor thing, but just let's have a conversation. And I've completed my form this morning and I already have four people that emailed me. And I first of all said, congratulations, and, and you're doing the thing that you should be doing in reaching out because very few very, very few people do. So for me, I'm always trying to help people understand that that social is just like a business card. If I gave you a business card, it's permission to contact me. Um, I can't tell you how many classes, like I'll speak at classes kind of like the ones Caroline teaches and I'll give every student a business card and I'll say, you know, here's how to reach me. Very seldom does anyone do that. Maybe one person in the class will say, hey, do you remember me? You came in and talked and whatever. So I'm here to tell you if somebody gives you a business card or somebody connects with you on, on social, it's an open invitation to continue that dialogue and people should do it because if you do, you don't know where people are going to end up. You don't, where pe you don't know where people who you went to school with are going to end up. And, you know, I was terrible at staying in touch with people and I'm trying to do better at that through social. Um, and I'm just trying to just be a genuine guy as, and I would hope these two will tell you that what you see uh, in real life is, is how I am on social. Um, but we can debate that topic uh, at a later point in this podcast. So you talk about just like kind of connecting in your personal brand on different social media platforms. 
Um, and you know, there's LinkedIn and now Twitter. Do you think that Twitter is a more powerful tool to use to connect with others? I think Twitter certainly could be because of how visible it is. Um, mm -hmm. You could see that I've reached out to you. Um, LinkedIn, it just depends. Like, I don't know. I find, I find LinkedIn, everything is way more professional. So the, the likelihood of somebody listing exactly what their title is, exactly where they work. Um, but on either, you can search. And if there's a team or a league or uh, a business or an agency that you want to work for, you can search and find the people that work there and then try to get time with them. I just think people are a little more, more open on Twitter. Their DMs are probably open. Whereas LinkedIn, they probably set something years ago and forgot about it. Mm -hmm. They don't update it as often. They're not on it as often. Um, I try to be. I just think holistically not a lot of people are on LinkedIn as often as their other social platforms. So for me, it'd probably be Twitter for sure. Yeah. Um, and then you mentioned like, you know, staying in touch with people, like what are ways that you can do that? Because, you know, I'm in the position where I'm, I'm currently looking for GA positions and, you know, I'll have to eventually like turn people down or keep in touch with, with an SID that I've been talking to for months at a time that, that I haven't just like reached out to. So are there ways like that you keep in touch with others that kind of like make you still stand out from other people that they're talking to? I think you could you could do so publicly. Like, you know, if you see somebody share something, um, you can respond to it. And then you could either take that into a more one-to-one -one communication um, or you could keep it on Twitter. Um, but I, I think I just try to, I set calendar reminders sometimes. I know that sounds ridiculous, but like I should check in with somebody or I should mm -hmm. do this. Um, a lot of, a lot of how I operate is just based on a calendar reminder or it's an Alexa reminder. Like, Hey, Alexa, I got to talk to somebody. Um, but it's really just not letting somebody go by in your feed without trying to jump in and, and say something or, you know, it's like on LinkedIn, it's a little strange because they want you to congratulate, you know, people for the most mundane things, but like hit it with a like or maybe comment on it. And somebody just because of the algorithm would be like, oh, you haven't talked to that person in a while, maybe, and they'll serve it up. On Twitter, it's just if somebody's talking about a new job or something interesting, like congratulate them, say congrats. And that's, I think, takes such a, a small amount of time, um, but could be very impactful to them. And I just want to say, Caroline, it was completely my fault, not yours. <laughs> and I've never, I've never had this happen in a podcast. I was mortified. But anyway, we're back. If, if, for the people out there who don't know what the heck you're talking about, because I'm not going to cut that out because we have to keep it there. Don't. This is Keith, real. <laughs> Keith, Keith broke the Zoom um, talking about Twitter and about his personal branding. He just broke the machine and he made Caroline uh, cut off there. But she's back. Everyone's back now. So, Spencer, <laughs> that leaves you. We want to dive into your journey of things. And you took a different path where right after college, you kind of jumped into um, MKTG as uh, a trainee in digital and then now you're an associate in digital um what was like that what was that journey like i guess growing and groomed in-house and what did it take for you to go from trainee to associate in digital today yeah uh, good good question i think you know i i mean i graduated in 2017 um and all throughout college i um, or early on in college, actually, I got a connection to someone at Team Epic at the time, which is now um, a part of MKTG. Um, and I had, you know, reached out to this contact, kind of gotten some information about, um, you know, the sports agency life and, you know, is it something I wanted to be um, involved with? And, you know, I found it of interest and I kept up with, um, you know, this person and emailed them every few months just to keep in touch. And, um, like Keith mentioned, you know, just being able to continue that relationship instead of letting it by. And, um, you know, the, there are no internships offered, um, but the trainee program is once you graduate, it's a six month program. Um, and that was something I was really interested in. So I kept that in mind um, and had applied, um, you know, leading up to graduation um, in 2017. And originally I applied for a general sponsorship consulting position um, as a lot of my experience prior was event-based and a little more partnership-based. Um, so I thought that might've been the better fit just because I hadn't had as much digital experience. But, um, you know, I ended up 
not getting that role, but, um, you know, was offered to interview with the digital team. And, um, you know, in full transparency, I went in and was like, hey, guys, you know, uh, I don't have a ton of experience with digital and social, but, um, you know, I, I see the value and I'm open to learn and I have a lot of experience in um, the industry through my, my internships. And luckily, they, they liked me enough and liked my resume, I guess, and um, gave me an opportunity. So, um, yeah, the trainee program was six months and it was, it was great because I was put right into, you know, client facing, um, situations and right off the bat, I was on teams for a couple different clients and was given a lot of responsibility. Um, and for, you know, a first job that, you know, those kinds of experiences was everything I could ask for. And, um, you know, being on digital specifically, you know, there's a lot of opportunity and, um, you know, as the demand for social increases and people start to realize the value of brands being on social, um, you know, we've, we've luckily been able to, to jump in in a lot of different situations. And, um, you know, for me specifically, that's meant, um, you know, a lot of responsibility and um, different situations to learn. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's kind of led to, to where I am today as a digital associate. And, um, you know, the world of social is always evolving. So, you know, we're doing our best to, to stay ahead of the curve and keep learning. Um, and luckily, you know, being at an agency and working for MKTG, I've, um, you know, been able to jump into a lot of different things and work on some really great clients. And I, you know, I think that's, that's led to where I am today. Um, I wanted to kind of ask about your internships. Um, you said that, you know, they weren't the same as what you're doing now, but what were they and how did they help you prepare you for the position that you have now with MKTG? Definitely. And so when I was uh, in between my sophomore and junior year, I worked at a tennis tournament in Connecticut, um, which has now moved, I believe, to, to China. But it used to be the Connecticut Open. Um, and I worked there as uh, a sales and partnership um, intern. So, you know, I helped out with a lot of the event planning, um, worked a little bit with some food and beverage vendors to, um, you know, locally to support the, the tournament. Um, and then the following summer, I worked at the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers as an event marketing intern. Um, and so again, you know, very event-based. I worked at um, preseason. Uh, I worked for a couple, um, you know, camps where they bring super fans and you know have a couple old players, and uh, they get to do drills with them and stay over in the dorms that the the Steelers players stay in during their preseason. Um, and you know, I think a lot of that just showed what goes into the sports world to make these things happen, and um, you know how many different jobs go into, you know, an event like that. And especially working with the, the Steelers and, um, you know, seeing what goes into a preseason game and, you know, let alone a real regular season game, um, you know, how many people are involved and, you know, how early the planning begins and, you know, what everyone's thinking about and how everything comes together. I think it was, you know, really valuable for me to see all the behind the scenes and be able to piece that together. And especially now, you know, working with brands, having the context of what it's like for an event or a team or a property, um, you know, it, it, it allows me to see the, the perspective, have a little bit of perspective coming from the brand side. Um, so I, you know, I mean, again, it wasn't a perfect transition going from more event based to digital, but I think just that understanding of, um, the sports industry and what what goes into it, I you know, has really helped out long term. Maybe the the maybe the deciding factor in, in them hiring you was the and I I'd be a bad podcast host if I didn't bring this up, but that you studied abroad in Copenhagen, Denmark, and the Dominican for for one month. So tell us about that because I'm kind of interested in that. What you know, I've been overseas to Australia, not studying abroad, but I've been to Australia and and culture in different countries. Man, it, it's eye opening to to life in general about how different things are so what was that experience like for you absolutely yeah no I, I i like that you brought that up um i i mean i studied for a semester in copenhagen and absolutely loved it one of my favorite places in the world um and i had an awesome opportunity to study in the dominican republic and we studied um baseball um and the tourism industry in the dominican so um you know it was 
the first year the, that Elon offered that program. Um, so it was all kind of new. So we were all kind of learning together. But, you know, seeing the passion that the Dominican Republic has for baseball and how people dedicate, you know, every waking minute to a sport is incredible. Um, and, you know, being a, a baseball player growing up and a baseball fan, um, you know, being able to share that bond with, you know, people that, you know, I, I would typically never come in touch with, but, you know, giving, given this opportunity and getting to see a, a whole new culture and the, the passion that they have for it was, was incredible. Um, and I think, you know, as you mentioned, just anything you can do to step outside your boundaries and what you see is uh, normal, you know, everyone, uh, all, all different cultures have a different normal. So the more you can see how other people react to sports and interact with each other, uh, you know, I think it's a, a really, really valuable thing. Mm -hmm. And that's for me, for me, I remember I got fortunate enough. So my parent, my grandparents are uh, immigrated from the Philippines and both of my grandparents started their own businesses. So when they took me to where they grew up, um, they only graduated from the eighth grade where, you know, we were washing our clothes in the river. You were seeing water buffaloes on the side. We were showering with a bucket, um, like just those different things. You expose yourself to it. It, it creates um, a different perspective on life. Like I was super grateful for what I have. And I understood I can't complain because the resources I have compared to others are very plenty compared to everybody else. So I want to go to the next topic, which is culture, because now when Keith talked to me about bringing on two other people um, on the podcast, I was kind of trying to figure out, you know, what kind of culture do they got have at MKTG when their boss invites two of their, you know, the employees, Caroline and Spencer. And then Caroline had mentioned it as well. Keith gave her permission to be a professor at the same time of doing her work. So it's like, okay, so I want to start with Keith, you know, before we, I jump into the question for Spencer and Caroline is what kind of culture is it that you guys are trying to develop at MKTG? Uh, certainly a culture of team. And certainly if um, there's something that excites you or something you want to do, I, I think I, I want to try to make that happen for you. Um, if you interview with me, you will likely hear my job is not to sell you on this place unless at the end of this conversation, you feel like you want to be here. And that's just how I feel. Um, I want to find the person who wants to be there. And if at the end of our talk, I feel like you should be, then let's make it happen. Um, but that's the culture. So if, if anyone were to come to me and say, you know, I think I have another opportunity or I think I'd be happier doing something else. If I can make it happen for you within Dentsu, whether that's go to another agency within the family or we figure out something else or you go to a different location of MKTG. I mean, we want to try to be open to make all these things happen. Well, let's start off with Spencer with this question. Um, knowing the culture that, you know, MKTG has and you've been working for, you know, the past two years, um, how has that treated you? How has that allowed you to develop personally and professionally and do your job to the best of your ability? Yeah, I think it's, it's, been really great because you know our team specifically is you know very, very supportive of trying new things and pushing people out of their uh comfort zone in order to learn new things and um i think a a really good example for me was um you know two years ago or a year and a half maybe um you know i was asked to uh, or I was given an opportunity to go on site for an IndyCar race. And I, I know nothing about IndyCar. I, you know, don't know much about what was being asked of me, but um, I was going to take uh, photos of IndyCar, um, an IndyCar race and to post on social for one of our clients. Um, and, you know, all of this was new to me. I had never been into photography. I had, um, you know, again, didn't know anything about IndyCar, didn't know much about, um, you know, the client relationship, but, you know, the team around me was, you know, extremely encouraging said, Hey, we have this opportunity, you know, we think you, you can do a great job. We'll, we'll give you the tools to be able to go down there and do it on your own. And, um, you know, it ended up really well. And I, you know, I had, um, some great, uh, teaching in terms of the photography lessons and, um, the people around me were very encouraging and gave me what I needed. Um, and you know, I went, I went to an IndyCar race with, uh, no one else, just me, um, and a camera and, uh, you know, fulfilled, uh, what needed to be done that weekend. And, you know, I was definitely, you know, kind of nervous and definitely was uncomfortable and new to me, but, um, you know, I couldn't have done it without the people around me and the encouragement to 
try something new. Um, cause you know, I think that's really important early on in a career too, is to, to try a lot and experience and, um, you know, being able to do something new and something that, you know, that important, you know, posting for a client at a race, you know, that's, that's a, a big deal. And, um, you know, they trusted me with that. And I think that's, um, you know, a good representation of the support and culture from, um, the team at MKTG. How about you, Caroline? Um, I definitely echo, uh, Spencer's sentiment. I, uh, starting out at MKTG, I really didn't want to do a lot of motion graphics or animations and little by little, I kept getting these like really amazing opportunities to work on projects with clients that were just really interesting to me. I was super passionate about it and I was just given the support and the tools to, you know, learn more and grow that skill set. And now like, I don't want to do anything else but animate and just keep learning how to do it. Um, and, you know, keep pushing the envelope for our clients. Um, so I definitely really enjoy the, the culture in our office. Uh, we're definitely all extremely passionate about what, what we're working on. Um, you know, we have a lot of late nights that uh, we're all, you know, texting each other on Microsoft Teams and trying to get the project done, not because like it has to get done, but we're all just like really enjoying the work and having like a good time. We're passionate about it. Um, and it's just, uh, it's different than any other work environment that I've been, you know, I'm usually, I've in the past, I've been like very excited to, you know, clock out. <laughs> And I found myself a lot that I'm just like, want to keep going because it's just like cool. And I want to like share it with the rest of my team once I finish it. Um, it's enjoyable. It's interesting that all of you talk about, you know, these positive experiences, all this amazing things. But I think sometimes the, the best way we learn are through our mistakes and the worst experiences and certain, you know, we look back at it now, it may be a little funny. So I, I want to ask all you guys, maybe if you could share, maybe one of your worst mistakes you've made in your career so far and then what like what you learned after that um i'll start off with, with kind of telling you maybe a mistake i made which was last year um we it was it was raining and we had all these pop-up tents to cover the players up and i put it all up and you know a lot of people were saying take it down take it down the rain's gonna break it whatever and i didn't listen as hard-headed as i was i was like dude i grew up in hawaii i i have a lot of experience um, putting up these tents and it being rainy and being under it and I've been protected and it hasn't break it like it hasn't broke at all and well let's just say it rained two hours before game time it was still raining 30 minutes before game time it was raining and I was out there and it broke and everybody got wet all the, the equipment got wet and let's just say I took I took my time walking back to the offices from the field because I knew my boss was going to chew me but she didn't chew me actually. I went in there and she just, you know, she was like, Hey, like you have to understand, like, you know, take the advice of others. Um, you know, like use this as a learning mistake and, and looking back at it now I can laugh, but if, if they were to tell me how much they cost, I probably wouldn't laugh. So if, if maybe Olivia, if you want to share your, you know, if there's a worse experience or a mistake that you made and what you learned out of it, I guess. So, um, earlier this year, well, let me think. Yeah, earlier this year we were doing a, a tennis a tennis gift shoot for the tennis team, and I did not know that that was their uh, flex day. So if you don't, if you're not familiar with NCAA rules, flex day you can't do. Um, athletes can't be involved with in their sport in any way, shape, or form. There's a whole rule, but that's just the gist of it. So I did not know that was their flex day. And um, I wanted to promote this on Twitter to get everyone excited so everyone could see like what's going on. So I had like Instagram stories going and then I had an Instagram post and a Twitter post and everything. And I was like, wow, like today went really, really well. And I'm sitting in Dinkytown doing homework at some coffee shop. And then my like boss calls me. She's like, hey, are you still on campus? I'm like, yeah. And I go in and she's like, um, yeah, so you violated NCAA rules today. <laughs> I was like, I did? And she's like, yeah. So that was, it was, no one was like mad or anything. It was just like a reminder, like, you, let's just be aware of this rule now. So whenever I have to like plan something with them, I always go and make sure like I go talk to the compliance guy. I'm like, hey, am I good to do this? And they're like, yep. And then I, it's a go. But 
that was definitely like an experience that I took and I was like everyone is involved in something in some way shape or form like more people are watching than you think so yeah that was definitely a learning experience I had anybody want to volunteer as tribute yeah I think um Yours are fantastic, and I don't know if I want to or can beat that, but I, I will say <laughs> what, what I learned is you have to find a routine that works for you and, and then stick to it, because I think when you deviate from it, that's when mistakes happen. And I think from, for us, you know, we have a lot of people from leagues and teams, and you know, we, we pride ourselves on being very fast and nimble, and we can actually go in somewhere, shoot something, and leave the same day, but you find that if you really press that, you're going to leave a drive. You're not going to dump your footage. Something gets messed up. And so now we are really, you know, finding that if, if we, if we follow the right steps and, and we follow what, what we know has worked, um, you know, we'll see progress. We're even now, you know, sometimes we'll have editors hang back till the next morning just so that they have time to breathe a little bit, not feel so rushed. Um, because ultimately, you know, if it comes down to saving, you know, a hotel bill, that's, that's not much in the grand scheme of things. If a mistake happens, that's a lot more than a hotel bill. So we're trying to, um, you know, get out of the, the fast paced and really do our best work under the right conditions and make sure everybody's, you know, eating right and taking the time that they need. But if you rush it, you know, mistakes are going to happen and you only have to have that happen once and you'll never do it again. I can't think of like one particular instance, but I'm, I know a handful of times I've spelled, you know, players' names wrong on national television. Um, and to Keith's point, like it was just, you know, solely because I'm rushing. Uh, you know, you have some big news hits and you have a two minute commercial break to create a graphic and spell everything correctly. And when you're rushing, you just, you know, errors are made. <laughs> Uh, I wish I had like one particular instance to talk about, but I can definitely say that each time I learned from it um, and now that I have a little bit more breathing room to make edits and, you know, have my team check everything, I uh, cut back on those mistakes, but they always happen. People are human. I uh, just have to, you know, try to eliminate it as much as possible. I don't know if the story is true, but it actually brings up the story about I think it was Steph Curry who like had a Nike meeting and like they spelt his name wrong. Right. And then that's why he ultimately went with Under Armour. So that, I don't know why that just, that just brought up the story in my head. So I just figured I, I plug, I don't know if that's true. That might be, <laughs> that might be a folk story or something. So don't quote me people out there, but oh, I'm that poor pretty designer. sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I heard that story. That's how Nike lost Steph Curry, but Spencer, oh, wow. how about you, Spencer? Yeah, I can't say that I lost Steph Curry, but uh, I have definitely made a spelling mistake or two. Um, and I think, you know, for, for us being in social and working with some brands who, um, you know, have some decent sized followings on social media, um, you know, I've definitely been amidst an event and, you know, things are crazy. You know, we're writing tweets pretty quickly. And, um, you know, I, th I think, you know, I've definitely made a spelling mistake or two. And, when there's a lot of eyeballs on something like that, you know, it, it's, it's a serious mistake. And, uh, you know, it's, it could just be, you know, an A, an O instead of an A or wh whatever it is, something really small. But, um, you know, when it's, when it's a mistake, it's a mistake. So, um, you know, I think attention to detail is something I've learned. And I, you know, when posting on social, I reread stuff, you know, 10 times now just to make sure. But, um, yes, I have, I have definitely made a, a spelling mistake or two in my time. I, I agree with all with every what everyone has to say like I can't tell you how many times like every single like when I write live tweet any event I whenever I post it I reread it at least 10 times to make sure it's right and you know it you don't really think about like when you're reading live tweets like so I'm a really big NCAA soccer fan and I will I like I follow like UNC on Twitter the soccer account and it's like wow that looks really really easy to do but then when you're actually doing it you don't realize like how much those people like really put into it you know like it seems really small but that it, like those tweets have such a big impact on a lot of people and you want to make sure that it's right it's funny you guys all talk about spelling errors I think mine's is um pronunciation and speaking of awards. I grew up in Hawaii, so we speak a lot of broken English. And one of the funny stories is that going through elementary, 
um, they always try to teach us how to speak uh, proper English. So we used to go, our teachers say, let's count to three or let's count to 10 now. And the class used to go one, two, three. And then the teacher would be like, no, no, no. Say one, two, three. And we would go one, two, three. And so it's just my pronunciation of words, especially coming from Hawaii. I've kind of had to learn how to speak um, proper English, if you have to say. But before we go, Keith, Caroline, Spencer, thank you guys for coming on. And I just want to give you the platform. If there's anything that you want to plug, where do people find you? Where can they connect with you? Um, plug whatever it is you want. Say whatever words you want. What it is that you, whatever you have to say. So let's start with Keith here. Thank you. No, appreciate you having us on and dealing with uh, all three of us and technical difficulties, which I will own entirely. <laughs> um, I did look it up because there is a wonderful thing called Google, and it apparently seems that they mispronounced uh, Stefan's name. They called him Stefan in the meeting. So um, that's that's not great. Um, you can find me on Twitter. It's Keith S. And um, I recently relaunched the blog that's all about inspiration that I had for a number of years. And I brought it back the last week, given all that we're going through. And hopefully you can get a smile out of it. And that's all that inspires me.com. So if I plug anything, I will plug that. Uh, thank you for having us. This is a great time. Um, not, not on uh, social media, really. But you can check me out at carolinepetinato.com. Just have some of my uh, creative works on there. Not too up to date either, but <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing to plug from me. But uh, you know, stay, stay healthy, stay safe out there. Wash your hands, don't touch your face, and uh, uh, thank you so much, guys, for having us on. This is great. It's just incredible. I, I just want to say again before we leave, um, it's amazing because we're about twenty-seven episodes in, and I remember when I first started this podcast. Um, now I got a professional mic, and we got five people on but I used to record it through my office phone and I used to hold my cell phone um, to the speaker and let it record through anchor. And I used to have the worst thing. So they used to talk on the phone. I used to hold it like this and I used to bring it to my mouth and then talk like this, but it's amazing to see where I'm at. I'm, I'm glad that we have people like you three to come on this podcast, Olivia, who's joined me on the past couple months. And we were able to tell these stories, these journeys of all of you. And I, I guaranteed whether it's 10, a million, a thousand, or just one person um, all of your stories and your journey of what you just explained to us will impact someone in some way. And to all the listeners out there, as always, the message from Olivia, Keith, Caroline, Spencer, and I, we are all on our own individual journeys, but you are not alone. <laughs>